what I say to people about entrepreneurship, and I see this a lot in the guests as well, is the resilience of saying no. There's a great Japanese saying that I love, which basically translates as fall seven, rise eight, which basically is perfect because fall seven, rise eight means you fall over seven times, you rise up the eight. And I think that number, the reason I love it so much is that number resonates with me so much. Hi everyone, I'm Hetty Holmes and you're listening to Hacking Happiness with Dose, the podcast that explores what makes us feel good to get those happy hormones firing. My next guest is Dan Murray Serta, founder of brain care company Heights. He's also the host of the UK's number one business podcast, Secret Leaders. We talk about his journey to creating Heights via experiences of founder burnout, insomnia and anxiety, how he got Stephen Fry to become an ambassador, how he's feeling about juggling his work life with becoming a dad and all things Clubhouse, the social networking app based on audio chat. And he's definitely someone you want to follow. As ever, we are so thankful to all our listeners for tuning in each week. To help us to keep going, we would love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. And please forward on our newsletter to anyone who you think needs a hit of happiness in their inbox. You can sign up at www.whateveryourdose.com forward slash newsletter. I hope you enjoy. Dan, thank you so much for joining us on the Dose podcast. It's, uh, it's my pleasure. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Well, yeah. And I, I, as we were discussing, I feel like I've heard your voice a lot recently through the, the Clubhouse app, which we'll get to. It seems to be like the new big thing that people are talking about these days. Um, but it's yeah, definitely a cool way to collaborate. So with the Dose podcast, I don't know if you're familiar, but we, we kind of work through the happy hormones um, and think about kind of ways that you can kind of hack them to get your, your happiness. And I thought it'd be fitting to start with serotonin because serotonin, it's our mood stabilizing one. Um, it's often associated with like you know, the, our, our mood and our gut and um, how how we sleep and things like that. And your business story into starting Heights is is linked to your experience of anxiety and, and insomnia, isn't it? So I'd love for you to kind of kick off by, by talking about how your experience has helped to shape the business um, and where you are today. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, you know, the abridged and shorter story is that I was at a period in my life where I was happy. And things were objectively going well. And if you ask me how I was, I would say I was happy because I'm A, a glass half full kind of guy. B, I practice gratitude daily. C, I've got a lot to be happy for. Um, and, you know, I was running a company. Um, I was getting married in, you know, in the summer. And my mum had just recovered from cancer. And I had all of these amazing reasons to feel very grateful with my lot in life. And mm. um, all of a sudden, I just couldn't sleep. And it struck me as a very odd experience because, you know, I've had mental health problems in the past. They're usually triggered by an external event or I'm usually able to get to like the root cause of why it's happened. Mm -hmm. And this one just came out of nowhere and I was really struck by it. And, you know, it started off that one night I couldn't sleep and then the next night and then the next night. And before you know it, it's a week. And Mm -hmm. when I say couldn't sleep, that's actually a misrepresentation. My symptoms were I'd go to sleep at midnight, but I'd wake up at 2 a.m. every night like clockwork, like there was an alarm, but there wasn't an alarm. And um, I mean, wide awake, like so much energy at 2 2 a.m. No point trying to get back to sleep. Obviously, first couple of nights I tried. Next couple of nights I was like, well, maybe I'll just start work now. Maybe I'll see if I can be a bit more productive and maybe I'll fall asleep in a couple of hours. And that kind of makes sense. And it never happened. I actually just ends up powering through, ends up going to the office at 10, um, having already done eight hours of work, right? So basically done my day's work before I go to work. So starting to think I'm like the world's most productive person telling myself the story that fit my narrative because obviously as an entrepreneur it's like you know great i'm now getting two days and other people's one day that's gonna 
really served me well. Did a very cavalier attitude towards my my wellness and very focused on, you know, this faux sense of productivity that I had, uh, you know, crafted for myself. Anyway, this experience went on, though, for five and a half months. So like a really long time. And by the end, I was not even by the end, about a couple of months in, I started to get really chronic anxiety. So, you know, I might be in a meeting and I would just get a panic attack. I'd get like, you know, hot and cold sweats and I'd have to leave the meeting. And I wasn't sure what the hell was going wrong, but something was. And just like these weird manifestations of, of, of experiences, you know, the constant fear, and like dread, sense of dread constantly um, from chronic anxiety that by this point had just manifested from my fear of going to sleep and knowing that it was a futile effort. And, you know, it just like starts perpetuating itself really badly. Um, I tried all of the different things. I went to the doctor, of course, uh, but he gave me sleeping pills. So I knew that that wouldn't really work. And that was kind of the be all and end all of his diagnosis, to be honest with you. I went to sleep therapy. I tried calm. I tried sleepy. I tried all of these different things. And in the end, I had dinner with a friend who recommended that I, I look into brain nutrition, which I'd never heard of. And I thought she was being pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, like, I'm like core cool, other than the fact that I, you know, don't wear leggings and I'm not a woman. I'm pretty core cool dose customer, <laughs> as Shara knows. <laughs> Like, I am those things. I do think of myself as a healthy head and nest. I do, and that's not like a positioning now, but like I always really resonated with that vibe. Mm-hmm. I'm very into wellness and have been for years. And so for me to have these experiences was super odd. I was like, I don't understand because I look after myself so well. Yeah. Anyway, I I went and had dinner with this friend who talked about brain nutrition. I thought she was a bit of a weirdo, but I listened and she was like, just go see a dietitian. I'd never been to a dietitian. And I didn't really know what a dietitian was, which sounds silly. But like, again, in the millennial healthy headness Instagram fueled world, mm. you find in- Instagram nutritionists everywhere um, because everyone is a nutritionist on Instagram. Mm. Um, you know, and there's obviously the massive difference between expert nutritionists and how easy it is to be a nutritionist. And to make that point, my business partner took a nutritionist course over a couple of weekends for fun and now he's officially a nutritionist um so i think he was trying to illustrate a point um or be really smug i'm not sure (laughs) but you know there's obviously expert nutritionists but then there's dietitians and why i didn't understand the difference is nutritionists will deal with healthy people and they follow quite simple principles about how to eat healthy and a dietitian will deal with sick people so this is where nutritional intervention can make a massive impact to turn around your life now obviously as we've come to understand over the last 10 years, nutrition is like an enormous part of how we actually feel mm. and how we live and how we think and everything else, but very poor understanding of nutrition's role in mental health. Mm. And, you know, even at the time, I didn't really think of insomnia as a mental health problem. I didn't really think, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't really label these things, right? I just had these experiences and this was like four years ago. So it was just like, you know, I was experiencing them and not really labeling them. Um, and when I went to a dietitian, she literally diagnosed me in seconds. You know, she asked me a handful of questions and was like, right, take these supplements. I'm going to prescribe them to you. And I was like, supplements don't work. I'm not interested, but I am because I'm desperate. Mm. But like, I don't, I don't get that. And she's like, well, anyway, by the way, don't ever say that supplements don't work to a medically trained nutritionist or anyone like that because they get very upset. Because <laughs> the media does a very good job of making us think that. And this is the first time she explained to me, she was like, supplements, they basically have a bad rep because the industry is awful and 99% of supplements are just super bad quality. Mm. So 
there's a difference between the marketing claim and the scientific dosage. And what I'm prescribing to you is the scientific dosage. So you can't get them in boots. You can't get them in Holland and Barrett. You can get them in Planet Organic. You can get them in Whole Foods. Mm. So she was like, rule of thumb, similar to wine and other things you learn in life, which is when you pay more, you're actually not really paying more. You're just getting the quality that you were meant to. Mm. Um, so I had my first bit of education there, which obviously sparked some entrepreneurial insights for me. But I went and bought what she prescribed in Planet Organic. I spent £120 on DHA Omega-3 blueberry extract and B vitamin complex, so three separate supplements. Mm. Um, and and within seven to 10 days, you know, I started sleeping till like 4 a.m. then 5 a.m. But within 10 days, I was sleeping till 7 a.m. Waking up with energy, feeling amazing. Anxiety completely slipped away. Really? And I just remember calling her so much excitement in my voice about oh my god i can't believe they've worked oh my god like yeah i thought like thank you so much you know it basically changed my life mm. thank you and she doesn't have the best bedside manner she was just like yeah i know <laughs> really and i was like oh right okay and she was like and i just expected her to be like grateful that i've taken the time i'm grateful you know mm. all the stuff is this feedback and she's like no i know i know i know that it works mm. you know and just like, got like basically exasperated. Yeah. She was just a bit like rolling her eyes, exasperated. Like, here's another idiot that has basically taken some pretty simple nutritional advice. Surprise, surprise, it's worked. Mm -hmm. Why has it worked? Because science says that this is a really big thing, but no one knows about it. And people like me come to her clinic and tell her that supplements don't work and that I don't know stuff. And she's like, do this. I do it. It works. I'm excited. She's like, yeah, it's another one. See you later. Yeah. Um, so all this stuff is like super fascinating to me. So for me, I was like, Right, I'm going to delve into the science. I'm going to learn uh, more about this stuff. And um, not from a, again, like the issue with Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. There's just so many charismatic marketeers everywhere with agendas. Mm. It's really hard to know what to trust. And in the end, if you're someone like me, aka British and cynical, you end up trusting nothing and no one. Mm. And that is really the difficulty. So in the end, I see so many things on supplements and all this stuff. I'm just like, Ugh, no, no to all of it. Mm. Had, having had this experience, I realized how important the credibility side is. Yeah. So I started reading science papers on the ingredients, on specifically what they do in your brain, why they do it. And I started writing a newsletter, really almost for myself, but ultimately to start explaining how nutrition can improve your brain, according to science. So always referencing the science papers. And then that started to evolve into... You know, I'd read a science paper from psychology or from neuroscience and be like, oh, this is interesting too. Mm. My job always was and is like a communicator. Mm. I love writing. I love finding hard to follow concepts and synthesizing it down into a way people engage with. I love the challenge of getting feedback and improving it. It's a real art. It's why I've always liked Dose, genuinely. Like it's a real tone of voice. It's a real thing. It's a real skill. Um, and I love honing that message and so like the newsletter was really how i started heights i started sending a newsletter every single sunday on what science says about how you can take care of your brain mm -hmm. and linking to the science or linking to the credible expert that shared this insight and what it means for you and um, you know 125 newsletters later so i've been writing it for two years straight mm -hmm. still sending it every sunday still the cornerstone of our entire content strategy but now we've got a product and a community and all these other things too, but you know, it started as a newsletter from wanting to share with more people the message of brain care, how taking care of your brain can uh, essentially help you take control of your life. And the crazy thing for me is no one knows the impact that nutrition has in mental health. That's mm -hmm. the main thing. Like it's, 
you think about what we've learned about wellness over the last 10 years, 15 years, I'd say, maybe, mm. 15 years ago, people still believed that what they were eating didn't have as much impact on their lifespan and health span as their genes mm. or exercising, right? Yeah. These were the big things. But actually, we've come to learn that it's all about what you eat. Mm. So, you know, having some sense of moderation around wanting to stay generally healthy, not necessarily like being obsessed, I'm not saying like six packs and abs, but just generally healthy mm. by taking some generally good, broad responsibility for our nutrition has been a massive paradigm shift in the culture over the last 15 years. Mm. That's for our physical health. So I think the next 10 to 15 years is more awareness around this for our mental health because science says it's a fact. Mm. It's not my opinion. It's not some charismatic marketeer, although I appreciate that is, you know, my <laughs> accidental role. But, you know, this is why it's so important for me that everything comes from science. Absolutely. And we've had some great people on the podcast. Um, I don't know if you're aware of Kimberly uh, Wilson. She's um, a nutritionist yep. and psychologist. And she talked about the vagus yep. nerve and how important that is. It's basically a direct line, isn't it, between the gut and the, and the Yeah, stomach. from our gut. Exactly. And, like, when you see it like that, I mean, they are intrinsically linked. So why wouldn't the gut affect the brain and vice versa? And the fact that, you know, our serotonin, our happy hormone, is is primarily made in the gut as well so it's really amazing yep. that you've built this brand that kind of it, it, you put it across in such a digestible way and the, the people that you've got involved as kind of ambassadors you've got some great people like Stephen Fry who you know a lot of people relate to he's very famous and he's had mental health struggles himself in the past so that yep. really adds kind of adds to your offering as well how, how do you yeah, get and he, yeah how, how, well do you want to say so the question going to be how do you get yeah <laughs> yeah, well, how, yeah 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 well I mean I, what I would say as well is you know it's an anecdotal thing. Now, obviously, like confidentiality for customers' personal mental health problems is important. Mm. Whereas if you're Stephen Fry, you're very public about them. Mm. So like the testimonial that he gave us, his experience, he's all very like, you can use this. Okay. It's fine, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, anecdotally, what I would say without naming customers, very, like, before I get into the Stephen Fry comment, what I'll say is if you take our product, the smart supplement, the usual time it takes for a high quality supplement to be bioavailable in your body so actually start getting to work and improving stuff will be up to three months that's why it's a subscription product because we go on science we're not looking for someone who's looking to get a quick fix like a red bull buy the pills for one month forget about them etc we create purposeful friction mm. like we're for people who are looking to literally make brain care a priority like a daily habit mm. and see that impact over the long term and if your current thinking is still in short term mm. you're not the right customer for us a you won't find what you're looking for most importantly but b we're not snake oil salesmen so we're certainly not going to sell it to you so we're like very honest about you know this is the journey mm. this is what you go on so anecdotally though if you're currently struggling with something people do feel effects much faster mm. and the reality is in my opinion, it's quite rare to feel like a like notable impact from supplements inside a month. But lots of people do. And the main people that seem to are people with existing mental health problems like anxiety, bad sleep. Um, in his case, Stephen Fry's case, bipolar disorder as well. Mm. And so the reason I've given you that background is because that is part of the background story to how we got Stephen Fry. So mm. um, before we launched, we had a trial with 100 customers. Well, not customers yet, but 100 people from our newsletter list. And they were on it for three months. And then at the end of the third month, they were invited to be the first people to buy the product before it launched. So of the 185 people bought, which is an incredible conversion for a supplement mm. that's never been in the market before. Yeah. Um, so that gave us a lot of confidence. And that was really exciting. 
And I'm a big fan in manifesting. I think it's very important to manifest where you're trying to go, really thinking as well about brand credibility, knowing that this is something that, you know, a product that people take for their brain. Mm. So their most important organs, a lot of trust involved there, a lot of credibility, a lot of fear mm. as well, right? Mm. So I have a list of people that I'd love to be ambassadors and Stephen Fry is one of them. Um, Will Smith is one of them. Lewis Hamilton is one of them. You know, it's, it's, good. it's a good list. Mm. Um, you know, there's 10, 10 people on there. I try to keep it like quite focused for various reasons. But mm. Stephen Fry was on there because he's just a remarkable, outspoken ambassador for very important topics that other people have shied away from. Mm. Um, and he's really set the bar for literally globally for society. He was pretty much the first person to come out and talk about this stuff globally. Yeah. Um, so I... Um, I basically told of those customers, I told them, you know, this is our hit list. If anyone knows these people, let us know. And someone literally said, I do know Stephen. Um, I would suggest, I'll ask him if he wants the product. And if he does, I suggest you courier it around to him and then sort of leave it at that, mm. which is exactly what we did. Um, it's a highly coincidental story, but one month and one day before we went live, we went live to the public on the 6th of January, 2020 mm. um one month and one day before that we delivered this product off to him and clearly he took it every single day and the day before we went live to the public like the whole time we were up we were doing a pre-list so you couldn't buy it unless we had a code and the only way to have the code was to be invited by us at the time on our pre-list from our newsletter etc mm. so he obviously went on the website to buy it and was unable to and he ended up emailing a mutual friend of ours to say can you get in touch with the company i'd love to buy the product but I can't. So I was sitting in um, an event with my mum and I get this email from Stephen Fry wow, out of nowhere. Amazing. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. Yeah. And basically his message said something along the lines of, um, dear Daniel, I've got your information from Damon. Sorry to bother you uh, on your Sunday. Oh, but, what a nice man. Um, I, so nice. It's, <laughs> it's full of very Stephen Fry, polite excuses, etc. Yeah. Like, but... I've been taking your product for the last month and I have to say it's been transformational. It's lifted my mood. I feel much clearer. Like all these amazing superlatives, basically. Mm. And I thought I'd been even potentially gotten smarter until I went on your website and I was unable to buy it. And now I think maybe I've gotten stupider. What's happened? <laughs> um, and I it was really funny. Yeah. So I said, well, actually, we're launching tomorrow. You need a code, and yada, yada, yada. And he was like, well, can I have a code, please? And I said, you can have a code if we can use a public testimonial because it would certainly help us for credibility's sake. It was like 100% with pleasure. Here's one about my experience with it. And uh, can I have that code? And so I literally negotiated a code with him to become a customer. He's been, he's honestly, you know, one of our first ever, ever, ever customers. He's never missed a day, which is impressive. Like lots of customers. One of the things we try and do is be really helpful for our customers. Mm. So if you like people do get out of the habit or they forget or whatever and you can just email us and say can you skip my payment by like a week or two weeks or a month whatever it is just email us and we sort it out mm. loads of customers take advantage of that he's never done that once he moves a lot yeah london norfolk la london norfolk la like all the time and he always changes his address he's never missed shipment i'm quite impressed yeah very dedicated he's like militant about it yeah, yeah. exactly so yeah that's the story of, of stephen fry and like we're lucky because we picked up quite a few other very well-known um, people that take the product every day, not all have given us permission to use their, 
the name yeah. like he has, but you know he does add a lot of value in terms of uh, in terms of giving people some trust and credibility. Yeah, it's brilliant, and it's all testament to you. Because moving on to like dopamine, our kind of motivation molecule, you are a super super high achiever. Like yeah, you're nailing Clubhouse. Like it's only been out like a couple of months. I well since December, I think, and you're already like a big big inspiration there and you've got your your Forbes um contributor you you've you obviously raised money before in the past to, to launch Grabble um and now the fan yeah. of heights so like so talk, talk to me a little bit about your experience so you this obviously led to a bit of your anxiety that you are very high achieving um and can you talk a bit more about like your burnout experience of burnout in the past and yes founders burnout yes 100 percent 100 percent so um my burnout experience was with Grabble. And uh, so at the time, Grabble was um, on a rocket ship, really. Mm. So we'd raised four and a half million pounds. We were really just competing with Depop and no one else at the time to be like the number one mobile shopping app. Um, you know, we'd go to award ceremonies and Depop would win one and we'd win the other and then back and forth and back and forth. You know, they definitely won the war. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, you know, we were really like in a really exciting trajectory with essentially a product that was called the Tinder Refashion. And the problem with it was I wasn't personally enjoying the journey. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about fashion. Um, and I certainly don't care about shopping. You know, even then, like this is seven years ago, six years ago, mm-hmm. you know, I was into sustainability and things like that. So like my product that I'd created was facilitating habits I wasn't particularly proud of in the first place, but it was kind of on a trajectory and out of my control at this point. Um, I woke up one day. I mean, the simple truth is I woke up one day and couldn't really get out of bed. And I wasn't really sure what happened. I've actually had coronavirus since and my experience was really similar, I have to say. Um, as in the when I had coronavirus, I was like, Jesus, this is exactly how I felt with burnout, which is just like just no energy. The, the most similar symptom was like looking at my phone and an email and being like, oh, mm. calm. Um, Worth saying, I was such an early adopter. I got coronavirus in February, so before it was even a thing in in the UK. Um, This was like really early, which was hard because no one actually knew it was a thing. And I was out for three weeks. We had no employees. It was just me and my business partner. Job had launched in January, Mm. February. I was wiped out for like the whole month. Like emails would come in, Slacks things, and I was just like, nope, can't do it. Mm. So burnout was very similar. It was like real sense of apathy a real sense of disengagement from my work, but like most importantly, like, you know, crawling to the toilet, sluggish, mm. and then back to bed, blinds closed. There's literally no getting on public transport. I was no chance, you know, we were office based, you know, we had 55 people at the time, I remember. And I was just like, I can't come to work. I don't really know what's going on. I don't know what's happened. Mm. But, you know, unpacking it afterwards, like I realized that that wasn't because I had very archetypal symptoms of a burnout. And I, you know, we we discuss in the Heights newsletter, but also on our podcast, our Brain Care podcast, you know, we have a scientific expert who studies burnout mm. and he talks, you know, every episode of Brain Care is 15 minutes. He talks for 15 minutes straight on just the science of burnout. What are the signs? What are the behaviors? What are the things that happen? And I, all, all of them, you know, the apathy, the lack of energy, mm. the like aversion even to light. Mm. <laughs> a bit like a vampire for two to three weeks. I just literally need to take time off and you know, the main reason why it happened to me was I was working really hard, yes, but I work really hard now and I'm not really at risk of burnout. So for me, it was like being disconnected to a sense of purpose. And I don't say that stuff lightly because I do really think that um, the purpose word is thrown about casually a lot and can cause people anxiety if they're like, whoa, am I 
living my purpose or not. It was less that Lightwalker wasn't doing my purpose and more that I was doing something so clearly against my values, so clearly against my values, where I was the boss and I was in control and I was in a cage of my own making. Mm. And I never unpacked it all at the time. I never made it a thing. I was never like, shit, this is all my own bad. But when I had this experience, it just all came to roost, right? I had time spent in my bed and I was like, God, no wonder I'm feeling like this. I'm going to work every day. I'm hiring people. I'm speaking to investors. Mm. I'm like selling a vision that I don't even believe in all the time and working so hard. Like, mm. obviously, I've hit a wall. And so, yeah, for me, like, I really strongly relate my experience to a burnout, to being you know, trapped and really disengaged with what I was working on. Mm. And, you know, people glamorize entrepreneurship a lot. And I think that's also irresponsible. I think it's great that people want to create. I think entrepreneurship has tons of value in the world. I think it's wonderful. But, you know, it shouldn't be overly glamorized on the basis of, I know so many founders that feel the same way that I do, which is, you know, you start something because you are enjoying it or whatever, but... Mm. You also kind of have to hold on to the reality. There's two two realities. One, most likely you'll fail. The other is you might be doing that thing for 10, 20 years. So think about that. Yeah. Like as long as you're happy doing that thing for 10, 20 years. Like for me, I started something in fashion. I wasn't even interested at that point of starting it. Yeah. And when it caught fire, I just suddenly was on like a rocket ship of my own making. And I was like, fucking hell, why did I start this? Mm. You know, so like really trapped. Yeah, that's so interesting. So it's very important that people have to choose a career that they they love or have a genuine kind of passion about, or it's come from a, a, a basic requirement. Like for you, it was it was healing your your brain through better nutrition, and it, it's worked for you. And it's now you can speak confidently about your product because you believe in it yourself. It's your experience. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and like is as well. Like you know, for me, my entry point was you know nutrition and supplements. But it's worth saying like supplements are the clues in the name. They're a supplement, mm. so. The thing I always did at Heights in our newsletter and still do is say, eat better brain food. Like, don't buy our supplement. Yeah. Have a better diet. Yeah. Step one is have a better diet. It's easier said than done. So it's really genuinely quite hard to eat actually what your brain needs every day. But if you can do it, do that. If you can't do it, supplementing is a lot better yeah. than ignoring it. And that's the truth. And so, like, I went into this with the angle of sleep. But now, like, uh, you know, we've got um reams of data and pages on our website about this is what they do for anxiety this is what they do for um burnout this is what they do for better sleep this is what they do for energy you know like there's all these different angles and for some they don't help right so depression like there isn't like a pill you can take for like improving depression whether or or, you know there is no food you can eat for that Mm. we obviously think it's chocolate and ice cream i certainly do (laughs) but you know, yep. if you're depressed, which I've also I've also experienced, you know, that's usually at a psychological level something to do with your life more so. Whereas a lot of other mental health diseases, this is the crazy thing, like a lot of mental health problems um, can be completely triggered by your lifestyle. Mm. Not psychological level, but your lifestyle, essentially what you're eating and drinking and whether you're choosing to go to bed like on time and things like that, you know, mm. simple things. Yeah. And they're really overlooked. Yeah. If there's one thing we all need right now, it's a little more joy. Joy can come in many shapes and forms, and in flavours too, which is why Fortnum's is filled to the brim and bursting with deliciousness this winter. From sparkling tea and delicious infusions to joy-giving hampers and personalised gifts, 
So whether you're saying thank you, marking a special occasion, or simply letting someone know you're thinking of them, there's nothing quite like giving the gift of Fortnum's. Visit fortnumandmason.com and send a parcel of joy to their door. So going back to motivation, so you are the host of the Secret Leaders podcast, which uh, is yes. I, it's kind of the UK's answers to Guy Raz, How I Built This, which is one that I always used to listen to until yes. I discovered yours. I appreciate <laughs> it because that was the intention when I started it. Yeah, and it's brilliant. And I, I think what you've done is great too. Um, and you've had some brilliant people on your podcast. But I'd love to hear about some kind of common personality traits that you hear from some of the founders that you have on. Like, do they have a kind of a mm. common thing that links them together? What I would say is, Humility does tend to be a pretty common theme for very successful people. And I heard you talk about um, this yesterday on Clubhouse. You told me you were talking about your experience of interviewing, well, speaking to someone about who basically invented the internet, you said, and you were like yeah, talking exactly. to him about your product and trying to promote it. And then Ex- and, exactly, yeah. Tim Berners Lee, yeah. yeah, exactly, invented the internet and had so much humility, he didn't even want to admit it. Yeah, exactly. I thought that you expressed that very well. But yeah, yeah, any any other kind of common themes that you think? So yeah, look, it's, it's definitely, look, it's humility. And I don't really think it's, um, it's not really like it, it, you know innovation or anything else. It's it's very typically what I say to people about entrepreneurship, and I see this a lot in the guests as well. Is the resilience of saying no. There's a great Japanese saying that I love, which basically translates as "fall seven, rise eight, which basically is perfect because "fall seven, rise eight means you fall over seven times, you rise up the eight. Mm-hmm. And I think that number. The reason I love it so much is that number resonates with me so much. Not not that I, I've necessarily fallen seven times, or I probably have, mm. but that's the kind of level of resilience you need to really succeed, which is like people think that getting knocked over once or twice in their career is like they've overcome a hardship, Mm. but it's not true. Like really a lot of the people that have done great things in the world is their seventh or eighth turn. Mm. Um, That, that kind of level of self-determination to be like, right, I lost everything again. Going to give myself some time and then I'm going again. Mm. And then they get knocked down again. And they're like, right, been here before, time to take some time off and come back with another thing. Mm. And it happens again. And so on and so forth. But these are the people who make businesses like Calm. Here's a great example. Mm. Michael's been knocked down that much. Now he's made, you know, they're worth $2 billion currently. They're the biggest mindfulness and meditation company in the whole world. Mm. It's a perfect example of constantly being knocked down and coming back with something bigger and better and more purposeful each time until it works. And you see this play out all the time mm. with, with really successful companies. Story of Slack, identical, you know, that's like their fourth or fifth go. In fairness, one of them was a pretty big hit, which was Flickr. Mm. Um, but, you know, like you just, it's very common to see this. Um, so for me, I'm like delighted that I've actually, uh, you know, I've had seven companies. Mm-hmm. Um Three are currently still going and uh, and four have failed. So, you know, I hope the heights isn't the falling seventh and rising eighth. <laughs> I'm almost on the awkward side of the number. But it's just the, you know, it's more. It's, it's not obviously about a specific sort of number. It's more like an attitude. Yeah. So, yeah, it's and this is the thing that I explore when I have these kind of conversations with people in Clubhouse as well is, you know, it's never about an idea. And it's never about technology, really. And it's never really about how smart someone is. Mm. Like, it really isn't. It's just about having the attitude of dusting yourself off and trying again. Mm. 
And it's very reassuring for listeners when you hear these these amazing founders talk like that. And it's through these kind of podcasts that we get to hear their stories, which is epic. Um, so moving on to oxytocin, our bonding and relationship hormone. So you're about to become a daddy. So congratulations. Yes. <laughs> how, Thank you. How are you feeling about that? Because obviously you've, you've got a lot going on. You, you, you kind of pack your schedule full and now you've got this imminent mm. arrival. How, how are you feeling about kind of balancing being an entrepreneur with being a dad? Great question. Um, I think one of the reasons I'm going all in on Clubhouse so much at the moment is just the knowledge that I won't be able to later. Mm. Um, so baby's due in August, so I've got some time. But um, I mean, it's been hard to really engage in the excitement of it because my wife has been so sick with morning sickness mm. um, that I've been three meals a day cooking for her, you know, cleaning, cooking, washing, laundry, like all of those things are on repeat with no respite. Um, on top of it, like, again, great thing the clubhouse has come to save me at the right time. Like on top of it, she doesn't want to be around me because she's just like feeling terrible. Mm. So she wants to just be in her own space. So we're getting on really well in that we're having the right conversations and we're just being as helpful as we can to each other. But it's interesting because I'm like an extrovert who like loves to be with with people and the pandemic's harder on me than it is on her because she loves her own company and she loves to watch Netflix and she loves to chill and have space. And mm. I don't love those things particularly. So we've always been a good match because we find a very comfortable middle. Mm. But, you know, this being locked in and not rushed and not doing things and not, you know, that's her idea of heaven, frankly. Yeah. Um, so whilst obviously morning sickness is certainly nowhere near her idea of heaven, for me, um, I've wanted to spend time with her. Mm. And you know, she one of her symptoms at the moment is like sense of smell is ridiculously strong. Really? Um, so I can't even cook. Like I cook like and I have to like put towels down when I cook her food. It's, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> I'll get into all the details. I'm sure lots of your listeners will relate to a lot of this stuff. But um, for me, I you know, lonely. Obviously, like you know, it's a pandemic. Mm. I can't go out. I mean, I'm going for my walks. So I'm not seeing strangers. Um, and I've been really conscious because obviously I don't want to give coronavirus to my wife when I'm the one going out and she's not it's pretty obvious who gave who what. Yeah. <laughs> so just being really, really conscious. Um, and Clubhouse has actually given me a great opportunity to connect. Yeah. And, you know, to not feel so lonely. And yeah, I was going to ask you, because you're used to interviewing people in the flesh, presumably for the Secret Leaders podcast. How do you find the process of connection has changed um, kind of during the pandemic when you compare it? before because it's our only option now isn't it to do it over zoom and mm. so remotely but yeah how, how have you felt like the, the process of connection has changed it's a good question i loved doing it in person mm. like i loved doing i mean my podcast is just like it's just amazing i met so many awesome people face to face and had great conversations with them before and after the podcast too and yeah it's not really the same this is it like we know it's not no but excuse me but I've also had a chance to speak to people that I wouldn't have got in the studio. Mm. Um, a lot of my American guests, right? I, it's just, you know, there's lots of opportunities that come out of it. So I think the way that I look at it is, uh, it's the same with everything, which is every pro has a con and vice versa. So whilst I've not been able to connect on like as deep a level with certain guests as I'd want to, because it wasn't in person, um, the flip side is also true, which is I've had a chance to meet and interview really interesting people that I wanted to anyway, regardless. 
um, that I wouldn't have got into the studio. So I think there's been like all in all, I'd say 50-50 positive, negative. Mm. No, it's great. I, I find the same. I reached out to like a surfer in Hawaii who <laughs> I watched the documentary on her in lockdown. And then it, suddenly, exactly. suddenly we're talking. It was amazing. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is awesome. Right. And that's the thing. Like, And, and I was always super anti doing not in-person interviews. Mm. So, you know, my answer was no. If anyone asked it, it was no. Not doing that. That's not that's not what we do at Secret Leaders. It's just big fat no. But actually, like having to change my opinion entirely has given us like loads of opportunities to have really awesome conversations. So mm. um I'm glad that something else has come around to change my mind. Yeah. Who have you got coming up or are you kind of on pause at the moment? So this episode that just came out this week is our last one of this series mm. with the founder of Natural Cycles, which is oh, the yeah. world's largest yeah, digital birth control company actually nothing to do with uh, my current pregnancy status she was booked months before i i knew that um but that's really awesome it's a great episode um we're only taking a two-week break before our next series so we've got tom blomfield from monzo who just stepped down as the ceo also talking about mental health it's really good conversation around mental health and leaving your company um got the founder of eve again that's quite a mental health related story um I've got one I'm coming up so excited about, which is Chris Voss from, oh, wow. um, yeah, I'm so excited from Never Split the Difference. Yeah. So like world famous hostage negotiator. Mm. So for a special episode all on how to negotiate really well. Um, and um, I've got a really cool one coming up as well, actually, for International Women's Day with um, Debbie Wasco and Tamara Lon from uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith and uh renee elliott from planet organic so that's a really good one too amazing um so yeah i mean the 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 list of people coming up on secret leaders is great but also i'm just as excited as um i've been really working hard on the brain care podcast for heights Mm. um you know i'm using what i've learned from secret leaders and applying it into this concept of brain care and those episodes are all 15 minutes so they're super snackable um that actually i'm I'm arguably even more excited about that because I just have ridiculous conversations with people that I I read their books and I want to reach out to them, but they're not right for a business audience, right? Mm. And um, I give you a couple of examples. So uh, Nir Ayal, if you know him, he's the founder of a book called Indistractable. Mm -hmm. So really brilliant principles on how to stay focused on how to understand where distractions come from. Says brilliant things like, you know, the opposite of distraction isn't focus, it's traction because they both come from the word action and the, um, unpacks why and how and principles of how to do that stuff. Um, tomorrow I'm interviewing Dr. Carl Hart, who is this like very cool uh, doctor. His most recent interview was literally two weeks ago on Joe Rogan, mm. uh, which is not bad. Um, and I'm interviewing him tomorrow and he has this whole book on basically drugs on why drugs are good for your brain. Mm. All drugs, by the way, this isn't um, just psychedelics as usual. Amazing. Really, really fascinating guy. Um, just like yeah so many interesting people jay shetty stephen fry like dame kelly holmes just like so many wonderful people that i'm so inspired by Mm -hmm. and there's a real mix of scientists and doctors um, and professors who study the brain yeah and mental health experts that share experiences so for me i'm just like in my element learning from these people yeah amazing got such a great lineup of talent there um so getting on to endorphins and uh fitness yes so how do you get your endorphin highs are you someone that likes to go out running or well 
No, uh, you can actually probably see my Peloton oh, in the background. Yeah. So that is the answer. There it is. <laughs> so I, funnily enough, like, because I know Shara. Yeah. Um, I know that she is a spinning OG. Mm-hmm. I've never done a day of spinning in my whole entire life until I bought a Peloton, which is a bit of a risk. Wow. I am a random in that I never learned how to ride a bike. So the first time I ever rode a bike was at Burning Man. Um, which is unbelievably stereotypical, but I was 24 years old mm. and I just had to learn. So I did, um, as you do. And I've really never, basically never ridden a bike outside of Burning Man. I've been a bunch of times and I always ride my bike there for like a couple of weeks. And I'm like, right, see you later. I'm not doing that again. Um, so the appeal of spinning never, ever, ever did appeal to me. But to be honest, with lockdown, I did about three months of yoga. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I was a bit like, it's just not, yeah, it's not releasing my endorphins, mm. it's connecting like a lot of other beneficial feelings for me, but it's not quite all there. So, um, I was like, God damn, this Peloton looks great. These ads are quite funny. I'm just going to go all in and get one. Mm. And I don't even have space for it. So as you can <laughs> see, it's like in my living room. So it's just there. Yeah. But that's also a great habit. Yeah, I think, right. If it's in your face all the time, not in a different room. Mm. I find it so, I mean, I do basically half an hour every day pretty much. And it's just been an amazing habit to pick up. Mm, I'm the same. I'm trying to find space. I really love the, I love running. So I wanted to get the Peloton tread and they have a little thing on the website where you can like see how it looks in your home. <laughs> I've just been kind of going around oh, really? with That's it like cool. this, like, where can you go? I don't know. You, you make space <laughs> for these things because they do, they are very essential for your mental health. Yeah, it's funny because I really don't like running. Mm. Um, uh, it's just not my vibe. And... Um, it's funny because I said the same thing about cycling and here I am with a Peloton. Yeah. So like when you say that to me, I'm like, well, I didn't think a Peloton was my vibe either. And here I am. Yeah. So maybe I do like running after all. Yeah. I know people that properly like try and turn their living room into a studio by getting the like flashing lights, whether it's the little kind of thing that you buy for your kids in their rooms with the stars and moons on the wall, yeah, like, yeah. putting one of those in, turning down the lights. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> literally no chance my wife will have any of that with me. No. I'm barely allowed to move move a cushion in here without her executive approval. <laughs> it is a very beautiful home. Um, so how it's how important you. would you say exercise is for your mood? You talked about yoga, obviously, but... It... Oh, hugely. Yeah. Hugely, hugely. For me, uh, I grew up as a fat kid. So I have this, like, you know, I say fat kid and fat teenagers. I was fat until I was like 18. So I have this like narrative in my head anyway about, you know, needing to be healthy, needing to stay fit. My father died when I was quite young. So he died 10 years ago of ill health. Um, so these things are like huge triggers for me. And that's the thing with lockdown. Like as soon as I was getting out of a habit of exercising, even two or three days, this like sense of self-loathing creeps in mm-hmm. big time for me. Um, and you could argue that's a terrible thing. And I know it's not healthy, but it's healthier than not having any sense of it in my mind and therefore not exercising. So I was finding that like, you know, the motivation to do the yoga was kind of waning because it wasn't like, you know, obviously yoga is hard, like definitely hard. Um, but it wasn't quite getting that extra tone that I needed. Mm. And I was just starting to, I could feel my negative inner voice just starting to bully my inner fat kid Mm. quite aggressively quite quickly um and and so yeah that's why i took the plunger on the peloton i was like it's so big and it's so different 
I'm going to have to just use it. Otherwise, what on earth am I doing paying all that money for something? And, you know, sometimes I think that is a really good approach, which is just to go all in on something, stick it in your face, make sure it's there. And I just put it in my diary every single day. So that's another thing that I'm really good at because I'm so busy and everyone always tells me like, how do you manage X, Y, and Z? I'm like, well, I'm really good with managing my calendar. So, Mm. you know, I go for a walk for an hour and a half every day. I stack things. So I might listen to a book, but I also might have a conversation with someone Mm. um, or a meeting. So, you know, I'm doing that at the same time. My Peloton is in my diary for half an hour every single day at different times. I might not do it every day, by the way. Like I I aim for five times a week, not seven, Mm. but I put it in every day um just so it's there and if i'm not doing it maybe i'll nap maybe i'll have some free time like i'm just Mm. you know i try to be quite good to myself about saying this is my time to do that do i feel like doing that no well maybe if i don't feel like exercising maybe i should rest Mm. not do anything so i try and like treat my treat my day in blocks where i can be as good and productive in that time period as possible yeah nice it's good you've got to put it in the diary otherwise you're not prioritizing it like you would a meeting in it it's a meeting with yourself it's just as important yeah yeah exactly yeah awesome what's that deep yeah very deep dan thank you so much for joining me on the day's podcast today you're a font of knowledge and um yeah i've really enjoyed talking to you so thank you thank you so much i've really enjoyed it and uh for anyone that's listening that's on clubhouse come check out the brain care club because we host lots of lovely conversations on how to look after your brain amazing thank you if you have any questions about today's podcast please drop us a line at hello at whateveryourdose.com 